one of the downsides to the Christmas season, besides the fact that sometimes your preacher can barely talk, is that it's often really dark this time of year. Not only um, physically it can be dark, but also sometimes it just feels dark in the sense that we we're reminded of losses and, and hardships, and it's a time of year when everything we feel like is supposed to be happy and cheerful, and yet sometimes we're still grieving, mourning, struggling. And uh, the, the, the darkness of the season, in terms of the, the light and the darkness, is sort of a, um, can be sort of a, a, a metaphor for how uh, we experience this time of year. And what I mean is, um, the physical darkness, right? Sometimes you get up and go to work and it's dark and you come home from work and it's dark. The kids want to play outside when they get home, but it gets dark early. And sometimes the, the, that physical darkness can begin to weigh on us, right? Even other times of the year, if it's, if it's gloomy and cloudy for days on end, we start to feel depressed and discouraged and, and heavy hearted and and uh, there, there's a relationship, right, between the physical darkness and the way that we feel and the way that we experience the world. But also at this time, because there is so much darkness at Christmas time, we pay more attention to the light. We're more aware of the light. Now, in the, in the summertime, we're flooded with light all the time. But in this time of year, it's so dark early in the day, late in the day, sometimes all through the day that we're more aware of the light around us. And on your way to work, it's dark, but you see those other lights on and kitchen windows and living room windows as you drive by people's houses. And you know, you're not the only one stirring this early in the morning because light is a sign of life. You look out in the evening and as you're doing the dishes, maybe you look across the street and your neighbor's got their kitchen light still on. You know, you're not the only one with tasks still uh, keeping you up uh, this late in the day. And you, I don't know about you, but uh, Sarah and I, we love the soft glow of the Christmas tree lights. First thing in the morning, before the sun comes up, just turn on the Christmas tree lights. Our kids love the bright lights on the houses when we drive by in the evening, seeing people's uh, houses lit up for Christmas. The, the darkness causes us to pay more attention to the light. And that's not just true physically, but also spiritually. And that when we go through trials, when we experience hardships, when, when the world feels dark, or when your life feels dark, it doesn't take much light to remind you that there is still life. There is still hope. And during this Advent season, this Christmas season, as we... Um, prepare our hearts, and, and begin to celebrate the coming of Christ, uh, we're going to spend these next few weeks, Lord willing, focus on the theme of light and darkness in Scripture. And for, for me, this grew out of uh, meditating on how John connects the coming of Christ to light in the Gospel of John. And not just to light, but, but also to um, the, the opening chapter of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, which also has a fair amount to do with light. And so as I was meditating on those things, not, not even thinking it yet about Christmas, 
began to think about the relationship between light and dark and the coming of Christ and, and how uh, significant that theme is in Scripture. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look in three places to just get sort of the structure of the biblical story of light and dark. We're going to start in Genesis 1, then we're going to go to John 1, and then we're going to go to the end of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22. And then um, in the next few weeks, we'll be talking more about how the light, as well as the darkness, are related to the coming of Christ, and how the Bible uses that imagery of light and dark to speak to us about Christ, about hope, about life. So we're going to begin this morning in Genesis 1, because in the beginning... There is God, and there is darkness, and then there is light. I'm just going to read a few verses of Genesis 1 to get us started here, where it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So, in the beginning, the Bible says, first of all, there was God. Before there was anything else, before anything was created, before anything else came into existence, there was God. God is the only Thing, so to speak, the only one who is not created, the only one who is self-existent, the only one who is truly eternal, dependent on no one and nothing to exist. He simply is, as he told Moses in Exodus chapter 3, I am. That's who God is. He is the one who exists, and he existed in the beginning. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made everything that we see, everything that we experience, everything that we can touch and taste and smell and see. God created those things. He created everything. He created the heavens and the earth. But in the beginning also, when God had created the heavens and the earth, it says the earth was without form and void. The earth needed to be shaped to be filled. And it says that there was darkness. There was darkness over the face of the deep. There was not light on the earth in the beginning. There was darkness in the beginning. But there was also the Spirit of God, the Spirit of life, who was hovering over the face of the waters. And into that Darkness, we're told in verse 3 that God said, let there be light. After creating the heavens and the earth, in other words, the first thing that God spoke into existence was light. And that's significant. God could have started anywhere. But he's a wise and good creator, and the first thing that he spoke into existence, again, after creating the heavens and the earth in verse 1, is he spoke light into existence, and then he separated the light from the darkness. Verse 4 says that God saw that the light was good. The light was good, but then it said God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called 
night. So there was a division between the light and the darkness, each having their distinct spheres, right? light for the day and dark for the night. Now, that is really basic stuff in one sense, right? We all know that on the first day God created light. He spoke light into existence. None of that is new. But for all its being basic, it is no less profound if we will stop to think about it and ponder it. Why would God create light first? Why start with light and darkness? Why are those so significant? And to help us kind of understand that a little bit, let let me ask you some questions. Why do you enjoy the sunrise? Why, Why will people get up while the sun is still down and sometimes even hike to mountain peaks in the darkness just so they can see the sunrise? Why drive to a particular location so that you can get the perfect glimpse of a sunset? Why are we so moved by candlelight services at Christmas? I mean, I don't know about you, but you you get the, the lights down and the candles lit and people singing about the coming of Christ. It's profoundly moving. But why? Why, on the other hand, does a string of gloomy days without much sun start to depress us? Could it be that light is not only important biologically right, to sustain our lives, but that God is also communicating something spiritually to us through the basic, fundamental, foundational reality of light shining in the darkness. Could God be telling us something about not just physical life, but spiritual life through the creation of light and the contrast between light and darkness. I think he is. I think he's communicating more than we have probably thought about, probably more than we can even begin to understand. But I want to try to begin to understand it more fully. Why God started with light. Why God uses the imagery of light and darkness so much in the Bible. So I want us to turn now, if you would, to the Gospel of John, chapter 1, to take this one step further, because John not only talks a lot about light, but he also draws a really clear connection uh, between his story about Jesus and the story of creation in Genesis, chapter 1. And in John 1, verses 1 to 5, It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. All right, let's stop there for a moment. 
First of all, John is very obviously drawing our attention to Genesis chapter 1 because he starts his book the same way, right? In the beginning. Except he doesn't say, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's talking about the Son of God, who's also the Word of God, who would later be born as a man and be called Jesus. In verse 14, he says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's talking about Christ, talking about Jesus. But he's telling us here at the beginning that before Jesus took on flesh, he still existed. He always existed as the Son of God. He's the eternal second person of the Trinity, right? Um, And he was there in the beginning with God. And then he says in verse 3 that everything that was made was made through him. Nothing was made without him. Which means that light was created through Christ. It means that Christ was not created, right? The Son of God was not made. Everything was made through him. And it's also, I think, profoundly significant... And when we think about the fact that Genesis 1 tells us that God spoke, right? Let there be light. And there was light. And then what does John call the Son of God here in in John 1? He calls him the Word. How did God create? He, He spoke. He created through His Word. And here we learn God's Word is a person. The Son of God through whom he created everything that he created, including light. And then it says in verse 4 that in him, that is in Christ, was life. He too had always existed. He was self-existent. He just is. He just lives. In him was life. And then he says that life was the light of men. See, there's that connection again between life and light. The life in Christ was the light of men. And that light, John says in verse 5, shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. As some translations say, has not uh, comprehended it or understood it. The light is beyond the darkness. It is greater than the darkness. The darkness cannot squelch it. It cannot overcome it. It cannot defeat it. It cannot even fully comprehend it. The light is always victorious over the darkness. There is a conflict, there is a contrast, but there's never a doubt about which one is stronger, which one is more enduring, and it's the light, particularly the light of Christ. And because He is the life who is the light, and He is the one who created the light, that means that every sunrise, every sunset, every glimpse of the moon, every star you can see at night, every candle that is lit, every strand of lights on your tree or on your house is a reminder of Christ, who is the light, who created light, who Himself is the light. Notice what John says next in verse 6. says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, that is, John was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. So who is the light then? Verse 9, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus is the true light coming into the world. And it says, verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. What John is telling us is there's darkness and there is light. And Christ is the light. And he has come into the world as the true light. And if we will receive him, if we will believe in him, right, then we will be welcomed into the family of light. Right? We'll be children of the Father of lights, children of God. All we have to do is to believe him. All we have to do is to receive him. All we have to do is to trust him. Respond to the light, not by hiding in the darkness, but by turning to the light. Jesus himself said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you don't want to be in the dark, if you don't want to walk in darkness, what should you do? You should walk in the light. And that means following Christ, trusting Christ. Christmas is not a time to pretend that there is no darkness. That's sometimes how the world kind of portrays Christmas, that everything is happy and everything is light at Christmas. It's not true. There's still darkness. There's still sadness. There's still sorrow. There's still heartbreak. There's still anxiety. There's still frustration. There's still conflict. There's still plenty of darkness. Christmas is not about pretending like there's no darkness. Christmas is a time to remember that there is a true and everlasting light that has come into the world. And that if you receive the light, believe the light, follow the light, follow Christ, then He will give you light. And you won't have to walk in the darkness anymore. I want to close by drawing your attention to what the last couple of chapters of the Bible say about light. We started with light in Genesis 1. We looked at Jesus as the light coming in the Gospel of John. But in Revelation 21 and 22, we get a picture of not only light, but light without darkness. Jesus is the light who has come into the world where it is dark. But when Jesus comes back and we have the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, there will not be darkness anymore. Revelation 21.3 says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. God is going to come and dwell with us. And, and I want you to, to hear this. This is not in Revelation. This is in 1 John 1.5. But I want you to put this together with what we just read from Revelation. It says, this is what it says in 1 John 1.5. This is the message. We have heard from him, that is from Jesus, and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So if God is light and there's no darkness in God at all, then when God comes to dwell with us, where will we be dwelling? In the light, right? And so that's what Revelation says. Later in the book, in, in verse 23 of Revelation 21, it says the city, the new Jerusalem, it's going to come down out of heaven from God. This is, this is the people of God. It says the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God 
gives it light. And its light, excuse me, its lamp is the Lamb. That's Jesus. And its gates, verse 25, will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. And then in case we missed it, in chapter 22, verse 5, it says, Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The light that God created in the beginning... Right? If we would have gone on in Genesis 1, we would read about the creation of the sun and the moon and the stars. The light that God created in the beginning, we're not going to need anymore in the end. Because God himself, who is light, will come to dwell with us. He will be our light. He will be our lamp. He will be our sun. And there will be no night, just one eternal day in the new creation with no darkness of any kind anymore. So, again, what we remember at Christmas, what we think about at Christmas, how we celebrate Christmas, is we don't pretend like there's no darkness. But we let the darkness draw our attention to the light. And the light that we look upon at Christmas reminds us that there is coming a day when there will be no darkness anymore. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. No more darkness of any kind. Only the light of the glorious presence of God. Let's pray.